This episode is brought to you by pastasworldshop.com, where you can find jigsaw puzzles, coffee and tea mugs, canvas and poster prints, and more. You can even order custom items with your own pictures. Go to pastasworldshop.com or the Pastas World Shop on Etsy to learn more. And welcome to the I Love This TV Show podcast. I'm your host, Noelle, from pastasworld.com. Each season of this podcast will contain a TV show in full. This means the length of the season depends on the length of the TV show. Welcome to season four, Elementary. Elementary, season one, episode two, While You Were Sleeping. Original air date, October 4th, 2012. In this episode, Sherlock and Joan are at an AA meeting. She realizes that Sherlock is unresponsive. She touches him and he jumps up screaming. He reveals he hypnotized himself during the meeting. He explains attic theory to her. He then does a demonstration. He fills a glass with some olive oil and then adds water to demonstrate that useless information will wipe out useful. He gets a call from the captain, and they go to a crime scene. A man was murdered in the hall outside of an apartment. Sherlock takes in the crime scene. He announces that it's not a murder-suicide, but a murder and a robbery. A woman committed the murder from a seated position. The robbery had to be committed by a strong man because the armoire has been stolen. He looks at the neighbor and then kicks down his door to prove that he stole it. The neighbor is in the interrogation room trying to justify his theft. He starts discussing his theories and annoys the captain. Joan sends him out for chips and chats with the captain. He and Holmes reconnected via a telephone call from Holmes at Heathrow. Detective Bell and Sherlock butt heads about theories. Sherlock compliments Joan for noticing the photo with the armoire in it. Joan meets an ex-boyfriend at a restaurant. He's a lawyer. He tells her that Joan's parents reached out to him. He attacks her about being a sober companion. The next day at the Brownstone, Sherlock is working on the case and Joan brings in some coffee. She switches the topic back to the case. He rattles off the name of a genetic eye disorder. She asks Sherlock why he lied to Captain Gregson about where he has been. Sherlock gets a call from Bell. He found the woman from the sketch. She is at St. Isidore Hospital. Her name is Yvette Ellison. She's in a coma from trying to commit suicide. Bell thinks that it's an elaborate prank and dismisses Sherlock. Joan and Sherlock stay in the patient's room. Joan conducts a test and looks at her stats and charts and confirms she is in a coma. Sherlock discovers a book on her nightstand. It has an inscription to Yvette and Rebecca. Yvette has a twin. Sherlock's theory is that the neighbors saw Yvette's twin sister and not her. They find Rebecca and learn they are not identical but fraternal twins. Back at the brownstone, Sherlock is picking locks. Joan thinks that Belle could be correct in thinking the neighbor lied. Joan asks Sherlock about a violin she found. 
Her phone rings, and it's her ex. And while her back is turned, Sherlock lights his violin on fire. She puts it out. Their argument is cut short by a call from Gregson. There's been another murder, and the shooter was seated again. Joan finds some eye medication that treats the same condition the first victim had. He examines the body's face and believes the two victims are brother and sister. Gregson says DNA tests confirm they are related. Joan says the DNA shows they shared a father. Neither person ever knew the other. Belle comes in with a complaint filed by one of the deceased about a guy that was tailing her. Gregson recognizes him. The four of them go to his office to question him. He lies about knowing her. He gets called out on it. He says he's not allowed to talk about it. Sherlock interrupts and pulls him out of his office. He tells him that he knows he's using methamphetamine and threatens to out him if he doesn't help. He also refers him to his rehab facility. The private investigator makes an exit after putting the file on his desk. The four go back to Rebecca. Sherlock lays out all that he's found, and Rebecca is quite shocked they are both dead. He accuses her of killing them both. She has no alibi. She explains she was fully aware and that she was angry over it. She and her sisters discussed it at length. She reached out to her father's lawyers to investigate the two just-revealed siblings. Sherlock accuses her of trying to get them out of the way, and she slaps him. He confronts her with a witness that saw her sister. Gregson and Belle take her down to the station. Sherlock and Joan are in a cab heading back to the brownstone. Joan's ex-boyfriend is waiting on the steps. Joan realizes Sherlock hacked into her email and invited him over. She blows him off. She is quite angry at Sherlock. They argue quite vehemently on the steps. Gregson calls Sherlock to let him know they are letting her go. Her building security cameras prove she did not commit the murders. Joan drags Sherlock to another AA meeting, and now he's furious. She informs him that if he zones out or hypnotizes himself, she has brought a thumbtack to pierce his thigh and bring him back. They listen to a woman talk about her drug addiction and how she latched onto a doctor to get drugs from him. Sherlock tells Joan they are leaving the meeting. Joan wants to know what the breakthrough is. Sherlock storms into Yvette's hospital room and makes quite the ruckus. He talks about a third heir with her name and address. Belle comes in to stop him. Sherlock knocks him down and drags him out. Her doctor was in the room for most of the altercation. At the address of the third heir, she is just arriving home. Someone is outside, picking the lock to get in. She sneaks through the house to kill the third heir, as she, but she is stopped by the police. At the station, Joan explains the coma was medically induced so that she would have an alibi to committing the murders. Sherlock explains to Rebecca that Yvette's doctor was in on it. He'd heard a story about a woman who used a doctor for his medical expertise. He lays out the whole story of how to get an alibi above reproach. Joan fills in the rest. Sherlock goes on to say that he knew Rebecca wanted to share, but Yvette did not. The hospital scene was planned to lure the killer. Rebecca wants to help her sister. 
he points out that there were only two more heirs. Why was she still in the coma after the second heir was murdered? He gently implies that Yvette planned to kill her next. Bell and Gregson thank Sherlock for his help. At the brownstone, they eat takeout. Joan comments about how he listened to someone at the meeting and it helped him solve his case. She asks if he closes himself off from others as a penance for what happened in London. He doesn't answer directly, but still answers nonetheless. Later that night, he sits in the dark with a box. He opens it, and it's a beautiful violin. Joan is reading in bed, and she hears him playing it. After the break, I'll share some of my favorite quotes and discuss the episode. Favorite quotes. Joan. Is it sad being wrong as often as you are right? Joan. Can we talk about Captain Gregson? Sherlock. He's married, I'm afraid, quite happily. Joan. You're funny. Joan. You hacked my email? Sherlock. Hacked is such an ugly word. Joan. Invading my privacy? Not okay. Sherlock said the walking, talking, professional invasion of privacy. Joan, you listened. You let someone else's natterings penetrate that attic you call a skull, and it helps you catch a killer. Sherlock, you always know it. If you didn't, it wouldn't be penance. We learn a lot of things about Sherlock and his skills in this episode. He hypnotized himself in the AA meeting. Who who actually hypnotizes themselves? I mean, most people don't even get hypnotized in their lifetime. But his goal was to keep his attic or his brain clear and free of information that's not useful. And this is where he discusses attic theory with Joan and his demonstration. He's got the olive oil in the glass. And as he pours the water in, the water, I believe, goes below and it pushes out the the olive oil, which is the good stuff, replacing it with bad stuff. And what he's actually doing is demonstrating that we have a finite amount of memory. You know, we, we don't have an unlimited amount of memory in our head, just like a hard drive in a computer. We have a specific amount of storage space. Once it gets full, we need to delete something to add something new. You know, whether it's we choose or like if you have an iPad, the iPad will automatically offload things for you now that you're not using. And then when there's space again, download it again. You know, same thing, attic theory. You know, stuff that's useful stays, but stuff that's useful also can be deleted to make room for other things if it's something you don't use all the time. Language skills are the same thing. If you have learned more than one language, if you don't speak, a different language for a time you might not be as fluent as you are in the future if you go to speak it again now his analysis of the scene really cracks me up this is one of the only episodes where it's something as odd as this where someone's sitting when they commit the murder why on earth would you need to sit when you commit a murder and in this case it's because the woman is using the doctor to 
put her in a coma. She's weak from being in the coma. By the time she gets to her target, she's too weak to keep standing when she kills them, so she's sitting. She's really just conserving energy until she can get back and be put in her coma again. Now, I'm not quite sure how she manages to sneak out, but it is quite interesting how Sherlock realizes that the people that have been killed uh, share the same father. The two people share the same father. They are genetically linked. You know, there are four heirs total, and Yvette has killed two of them, and her sister Rebecca is the only one left. Now, Sherlock tries to break the news to her in a very kind way. When he tells her about the fact that those two other heirs are gone, she's the only one remaining, other than her other sister, than her sister, Yvette, and yet Yvette is still in this coma. This coma is so that she has an alibi when she is committing these murders. If she didn't plan to kill Rebecca, then she wouldn't need to still be in the coma anymore. You know, it's really rather sad. You know, Yvette is so greedy, she's willing to kill her own sister. And I think that that is a a situation that happens in a lot of families. You know, if someone has a business, you know, everybody wants a share of the money, even if they're not part of that business. And a lot of families fracture and break over money. And it's just truly, truly sad. Now, I love how Sherlock came up with this plan to drop this additional heir's name in front of a vet, in front of the doctor at the same time, and the whole staging thing with Belle. He set a trap. She could probably say it was entrapment, but he's not a police officer, so I think that he can kind of get out of that. But at the same time, you know, she followed suit. She she fell for the trap, hook, line, and sinker. And she had, she was brought out of her medically induced coma. She went to this new heir's house and planned to kill them so that she would get more money. And I guess she didn't really think out very clearly that, you know, if she's the last one standing, then but she doesn't get killed, people are going to get suspicious. Heir number one, dead. Murdered. Heir number two, dead. Murdered. Heir number three, dead. Murdered. Well, heir number four is still here, and she's not dead. She's not murdered. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but that would cause me to be very, very suspicious. I also really love the fact in this episode that the uh, by going back to that second AA meeting where Joan forced him to actually listen to people, that it allowed him to have a breakthrough on his case and to improve. And that's something that's really, really impressive there because that isn't a situation you would always see or find. You know, it was just kind of a happenstance type thing. But the the kicker for me in this episode is all about Joan and that ex-boyfriend that her parents sicked on her, basically. I'm not sure why her parents felt it was appropriate to meddle in her love life. But then when Sherlock caught wind of it after he hacked her email, that's an ethical issue there he might need to deal with, that he decides to try and set them up a little more. She's furious and she's not having it. And I can't blame her there. You know, Joan also had her own breakthrough in this episode where she figured out about the armoire. And that was very impressive indeed. 
and who shows uh you know the ability her her skills as a detective are there and starting to develop a little bit starting to come out you know but i think one of the real true poignant moments in this episode is at the very end where he actually takes out that violin and plays it she had no idea that he had more than one violin and he burned the the one that she did find oof that's just horrible to burn a musical instrument it was very refreshing and it made me happy to see that he still had one that it was in such well cared for condition and that he did still play it because it is a beautiful instrument to listen to and when someone plays music or sings participates in music creates something you know they're they're sharing a piece of their soul Thanks for reliving this episode of Elementary with me. I hope you enjoyed the stroll down memory lane as much as I did. I love this TV show. Please check out my website, pastasworld.com, for more TV shows, fandoms, and more. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can send me an email at podcast at pastasworld.com. Thanks and have a great week.